everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I really, really appreciate you. If this is the first time you're listening, we're doing an A to Z journey through Metallica. Metallica have about 150, 160 songs, something in that ballpark figure. And basically this show is taking the whole oeuvre, putting them in alphabetical order and going through song by song. You know, we're going deep into the composition, the history, the, the fandom, the appreciation, the hatred. If it's better than you, maybe, I don't know. You know, there's some other songs in there that we're going to get to, we're going to love. Really looking forward to getting to this song today. So, yeah, thank you for joining me. As ever, please follow the show at MetallicaPod on Twitter if you want to know about ep- what episodes are coming up. Of course, alongside our review episodes, we have interviews. Recently, had Fleming Rasmussen, Ray Burton on. We've got lots of cool upcoming guests as well. If you want to know when they're coming out, go on the Twitter. We have the Patreon as well. Um, the link will be in the description. It's patreon.com forward slash alpha Metallica. Basically, two tiers there. The first tier being that you can donate and get your you know, name read out on the start of the pod and you know you just help out the pod in any way you can and slightly more you know slightly a few more dollars you get access to premium content before it comes out on the channel so pretty much anything i'm doing non-review wise so you know we've got sort of myself and dave did a sort of chronicle of metallica's classic moscow 91 concert that was on there did a review of mission to lars with nick that was on there as well lots of good stuff so yeah support us in all the ways you can go on to itunes as well please leave us a review metal up your podcast they offer koozies they offer gifts you know they are great at getting people to rally them i don't have that I'm, I'm, I'm just a british boy you know who loves a bit of metallica so if you want to help support the show go on to itunes leave us a review subscribe to us on youtube all this stuff anyway i'm done hawking my wares we are doing broken beat and scarred today i'm very excited to welcome someone who i know you know has been a, a fan of alpha metallic for quite a while now um logan how's it going man Good man, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh no, it, it, it's a joy. Honestly, I, I, your, um, your bald-headed emoticon on Twitter. I, uh, I, I love recognizing it. I love seeing it. So you know, it is, uh, it is great to have you on. And we need to, we need to go back to the beginning, really. Um, Metallica. When was the first time you ever became aware of them? Um, my first exposure to them was actually not through the music, but it was actually at school on uh, one of my classmates' notebooks, where he had kind of that whole middle section of one where it was just all the lyrics written down it was the the, basically the darkness all the way down through life and hell Hmm. so and so i didn't know what it was from it basically just looked like it was written out like a poem and it was just one of those things that really struck me um now i was born in 79 Hmm. so this was probably 90 or 91 probably when i was about 11 or 12 Hmm. and so they were just kind of really hitting you know, the big time. They they already had an Injustice album. They were just about to, I think it was right around the time that the Black album came out. And so it went from that, then in the next year to seeing a lot of friends and people that I knew liking the band. Now at the time, I was a lot more of an alternative rock kid. I like, mm-hmm. you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, things like that. And so I was actually, I was definitely very aware of them. You know, we had friends who would bring by the tapes and play them and I would like them, but wasn't really drawn to them and then as i was get older and older into high school it was actually until it sleeps that really right it off for me which if i remember right actually came out i want to say on my 17th birthday i want to think may 21st of 96 wow wow it was, it was a lead single wasn't it for load it was and i and i even remember for a while just getting the single because i like that particular song so much and then I think by right around the time when King Nothing came out, then that was really like, oh, well, now I need to get the album. Mm. And then that was really the entry point to then go back and having those couple songs and then Load in general. Because I think Load had enough of kind of that alternative 
yeah inspiration a little bit kind of from Alice in Chains and things like that to then kind of get in and then go back and be like oh yeah no okay beginning to where they are now is fantastic Mm-mm. and i was i was thinking about load and reload today really and I, you know i made no bones about it so far on the show i'm not i'm not the biggest fan i, I like a lot of the songs but it's you know it's, they're not my go-to but they were very smart business decisions if anything else like it doesn't matter how big of a band you were the 90s kicked most massive rock bands in the teeth you know the sort of the grunge the alternative whatever you want to call it all the metallicas all the big dogs from that late 80s era a lot of them struggled for relevance but by embracing that alternative core in load and reload metallica they just got bigger and bigger didn't they i think so and and especially because it wasn't a complete ape of okay well now we have to be kind of you know i think who was it kiss when they did uh, like carnival of souls sure when it when it was a little bit more where it felt like they were jumping on the bandwagon whereas it seemed like metallica was getting bits of inspiration they still had kind of the base of the 80s inspiration bands and then once they had they could add a little bit of that 90s inspiration, but also with the new kind of song structures that they were doing. Mm. It just seemed mm. to work so well for them. Well, plus, it seemed like they were able to to ride the wave of that Black Album for the first half of the 90s. And then from, what, 96 to 2000, they had something happening every year they yeah they really did yes you had you had load reload obviously had s&m you know and and, and the garage albums and and just so much content really kind of smartly done and i guess the napster incident as well kind of got them into the public eye um i i, I should say as well i don't know if it'll be out on the main channel yet it'll certainly be out on the patreon when this comes out i'm doing kind of like a history of metallica and napster um kind of digging into that because i don't think it's really been given proper like long form analysis of it so you know look out for that and stuff like that but yeah i agree they they were were very busy in that and you know we, we push on then logically from the load and reload like as a fan did it continue for you into say anger what what are your feelings on that record okay so and I, I i don't want to get on too much of a rant so right <laughs> stop i go too far um it seemed so by that time it came out in 2003 uh, so yeah so I, I was totally on the train from 96 to then and it was one of those things where I consider myself a big Metallica fan. I'm supposed to like the new release. I want to like it. But then I, I even remember the day that they premiered the single and it was the big lead up. And then, unfortunately for me, I, I have to put myself in the in the, in, in the hater camp, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And, and it's even one where I try once or twice a year, okay, let me go back. And even whenever you did the uh, All Within My Hands episode. Right. Trying to... And, and I will say that even after um, that episode, I did go through it three or four times, the song, mm. and I liked it. But especially kind of the, the feeling of going through the whole album is is tough. And I think part of it at the time, it felt like they obviously had their 80s in, inspirations. You know, they had New Wave, British Heavy Metal, Misfits, Diamond Head, everybody like that. They were able to do some of the uh, Alice in Chains inspiration in the 90s and even the... Um, Kind of early Soundgarden as well, because wasn't it Kirk who was saying that he was using yeah. kind of the uh, I'd love? Yeah, for Enter Sandman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And at the beginning of the 2000s, it, it kind of felt for a little bit like they were kind of flailing, because you had Jason leaving, you had James in rehab. Mm. And and if you look at kind of what was the big music at the time, which was new metal, you know, down-tuned guitars, no solo, a little bit raw production, it kind of felt like instead of them being inspired by it kind of like there is kind of like oh, okay well what's what's the big music right now let's mm-hmm. just go ahead and do our version of that 
Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that's entirely fair. I mean, you know, I, I am I am quite a fan of say anger. I, I kind of respect the experimentation, and I do I do like it. Like I know a lot of people like anti like it or ironically like it. I'm actually just a fan of it. But you know, we're, we're here to talk about uh, a record that people are a lot more uh, equivocal on um, being death magnetic. And before we get into Broken Beat and Scar, which I, which I'm very excited to get into, actually, I'm quite a big fan of this song. I mean, talk to me about death magnetic as a whole. You you said you know you're a big fan, but you weren't necessarily on board with saying was this kind of a return for you oh absolutely and i even remember they had the uh the mish metallica website mm. where every day they would post a little snippet or you know a little bit of a graphic or just a little bit of, of the studio kind of ramping up and i and i remember my wife and i went to see them at the Ozfest in dallas in 2008 where they premiered cyanide mm. and i and i remember you know they said they were going to play it and then you know, they did that kind of SOS intro that they do, and then you have the bass line from Rob, and then they have that main riff that kicks in. And so I just remember within about that first minute, it was so – it did feel like such a relief of, oh, this is, a, <laughs> this is such a good song. And, you know, and obviously the first minute doesn't tell what the whole song is going to be like, but just that very, very promising intro was, was – a, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I think someone else said uh, on this podcast, apologies not for remembering your name, but it was a very good point. It was like, you'd be forgiven as a Metallica fan, maybe in the Load Reload era, forever thinking you get an album like Death Magnetic, you know, forever thinking that they would return to their roots and, and embrace the, the thrash that made them. Oh, yeah, well, I, I remember they a little bit after Reload came out, which is a record that I really do like, but in terms of Metallica rankings, I would put it near the bottom. Sure. And so you have that and then live material cover albums, which were fantastic, but weren't original material. You have I Disappear, which I really liked. But you after, you know, a little bit, St. Anger, a couple more years, you do kind of wonder, all right, well, I might get a couple more songs, but I'm actually going to get an album that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we get to um, Broken Beat and Scarred, which... I think if you're going to sort of, because obviously every Metallica album is very, very different, and whilst it's still, you know, guitar bass and drums, and it's kind of heavy and riff based or whatever, there are certain elements that kind of pull it out and make it a bit different. And I think Broken, Beaten, Scarred is emblematic of kind of the almost like I don't know, kind of like almost math rock, like like you know how that there's lots of quick shifts and changes, like even that intro, down, down, ba dum, bump, like it just starts, doesn't it? It's not a kind of like classic kind of building thing. It's like the riffs just right there in your mouth yeah and, and i i always wondered if that was like a temporary or filler intro where they were mm. kind of like okay well let's do this yeah and then we, and then we know the body so let's just go ahead and put something at the beginning to work up towards the body um and it even like you kind of say with with the math rock and kind of like how it kind of gradually adds um I remember for a while kind of being like, all right, I really need to listen to make sure that I can kind of get the timing of when this part is going to come yeah. in and when the uh, you know chug is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, the song does have that dynamism, and you know you can hear the two guitars. And I, I kind of love hate the bit in the intro when you hear that guitar chug in the background against the main riff. I, I compositionally I like it, but it's where my sound issues with Death Magnetic kind of it's got quite a kind of bright kind of I don't know. There's something about the guitar tone at times that kind of bothers me. You know, the whole loudness wars thing I think is quite prominent in Broken Beat and Scarred. Yeah. Um... I can definitely hear it if I put 
all the Metallica songs on like a random mix. Mm-hmm. And so you'll get, you know, a Masters of Puppets song and then Death Magnetic song. It's very, you know, it is kind of jarring of kind of how the production goes from one to the other. Um, if I'm listening to the whole album, it's actually not that much of an issue, but I think it's just or after a couple songs that's just kind of where your ears get used to in terms of the whole uh, the whole piece sure 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 definitely but i mean regardless you know i do i do really like this intro you sort of have that classic kind of curdling no 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 like so you know slightly sort of exotic sound in there and the song it just kind of keeps starting and stopping doesn't it it has a great pace it is it, it, and it's interesting because it's it's not a song that just comes right out of the gate it's not like a four horsemen or like a creeping death or like an ain't my bitch where it's just like okay from second one we're going and it's not one of the slower epics that takes a while to build it this does but not in that kind of way mm-hmm. but by the time you kind of get to i don't know the 30 40 second mark when you kind of get that first little yeah. and then they kind of go from there oh but i also have to say once they get to that that riff right before the verse that's about i think it's almost exactly one minute in yes it is yeah the kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that was I, I think that was the first part that was really like okay now i'm really really excited mm, mm, yeah. on the rest of the way for this and then and i like how they actually take that riff and do it an octave lower yes. on the guitar for the uh for the actual verse where james is singing it yes yeah i completely i completely agree yeah it does take a minute to get to that riff which you kind of it, it almost flies by it doesn't the song doesn't feel very tedious i i think um i remember seeing an interview years and years ago i might say this already on the show of tom Araya of slayer and they asked him what he thought of death magnetic and he said it was very good but he said it needed like half an hour cut off the album and i can kind of see what he meant like i'll get to certain points of this song that i think need to be thinned down a bit but but regardless yeah i agree i absolutely love that riff up top like it has such a kind of like it's what they kind of were trying to get for on load and reload that that kind of groove rock and i think it's very very successful and you know um i remember anyone that's you know been a kid and played guitar and tried to write riffs one of the most common tricks you can do is play something an octave higher and then bring it down an octave lower to make it seem like it's different but normally it sounds cheap but i completely agree when it goes down from the high frets to the low frets and then you have james singing over the top i mean it's irresistible that part oh yeah no and it and it's easy to 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 just listen and kind of hear okay well this sounds very reminiscent but it's almost one where I actually had because I I have the uh, the guitar tab book for it. I had to I had to double check to make sure that it was kind of the exact mm. piece because it, it could have just been something that's similar but sure. not exact, you know. And even on this song, this especially from that minute on was what really kept me going in terms of the Death Magnetic album. Mm. Um, do you remember the new song, aka um, Death Is Not the End? I I don't actually know. What is that? Um, in 2006, I think it was actually, I think it might have actually been on like 666 on June 6th. Right. Um, they played what they called the new song, a.k.a. Death Is Not The End, and it had the intro for End Of The Line, and then it had the middle part for All Nightmare Long, mm-hmm. which was kind of the... Um, but everything else was completely riffs that they ended up not using. Mm. Um and the main riff is kind of sludgy and a little kind of stonery. But at the time, you know, when Death Magnetic came out, I'd been living with that song for two years. And so I love that was that was just your life. That's a fantastic song. Oh, but yeah. then when it came 
when it came to the end of the line, that was really like, oh, well, I'm used to this other version of what comes after the intro. Mm -hmm. And so I like end of the line now, but it was kind of that feeling of, okay, as long as I can get to Broken Beat and Scarred, then that's really, you know, that's really kicks off, especially for me in terms of the, the whole piece, in terms of all of Death Magnetic. From Broken Beat and Scarred to Cyanide is, it's just yeah. all great for me is is the strongest um yeah and so just that riff in and of itself and mm. then make making their way to the chorus um i don't know it's 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 just really good mm-hmm. yeah yeah no no it is really good and i i agree what you're saying as well i've not thought of that those songs uh in in order on definitely Day, but it's it's such a sweet center so it's broken beat and scarred day that never comes all night may long and cyanide which are incredible songs. Um, I, I love My Apocalypse as well, which closes it, and That Was Just Your Life, which starts. And the rest are okay, but I think those are the six out of the ten that I really kind of rate highest. But, yeah, it's a fantastic song. Uh, James sounds fantastic as well. And, I mean, you know, Metallica thematically can be quite complex, but the message of this song, you know, in a good way, is quite simple, isn't it? It's kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, face up to adversity, etc. Well, he- Here's something that I actually was really thinking about is if you watch one of the videos that they have on the Metallica website, which is Kirk and Lars, because, um, you know, they have Kirk and Lars on some videos and they have James and Rob on some videos. I think mm-hmm. when they were doing the um, Day the Never Comes video and they would do two or three minutes of kind of explanation of each yeah. song. And Lars talks about, especially kind of with, with the title, but then it seems like he also is talking about just the the song itself, that it's kind of. Um, I don't know about brutal, but it, it, he seems like he seems to kind of get uh, the point across that it's more of like a downer song. And I always um, got the impression that this is kind of one of the few on Death Magnetic that is a little bit more of kind of uplifting. That this is you know okay, show your scars, be proud of your scars. You got through something. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Unforgiven Three might be the only one on there that is a little bit more. Uh, kind of positive or uplifting or redeeming i guess yeah yeah i get <laughs> i guess yeah just looking at the song titles that was just your life the end of the line all nightmare long yeah they don't they don't really connote joy um to be <laughs> honest with you and uh i was reading actually um that apparently james and lars argued at length about the title of the song uh lars was very adamant about it being called broken beaten scarred apparently james didn't like the title i don't i don't, I don't think it's a bad title personally um apparently metallica referred to the song as bbs as well which um you know i mean they do bells don't they they like their little kind of uh abbreviations here and there probably probably the only part of the song that i really kind of can't get on board with and i think we mentioned this on twitter before i'm not sure the whole what don't kill you make you more strong yeah and i'm sure grammatically it doesn't make i'm sure there's a term for it either a double negative or something like that um but I think within the song it works. I mean, obviously it's gonna it's gonna be a play on you know what don't kill you make you stronger. Yeah. And so, and it, and I was even looking back at uh, the lyrics for the demo, which which they titled Black Squirrel. I don't I don't know what the uh, the origin is of that. Right. I don't know if they saw a squirrel <laughs> run across the stage or something like that. But even in terms of the um, the demo lyrics, they they actually had that on there. So mm. it, it does seem like early on because i think lars even said that this was one of the earlier death magnetic songs from that they had started around 2005 that Mm. seems to have been in there 
Mm-hmm. So I, I almost wonder if it is one of those things where James just really liked how the whole thing kind of um, either the cadence or just right amount of syllables. Just it just all went together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, it, it irks me to a certain extent, but sometimes it doesn't bother me. And conceptually, it works. I agree. I, I personally, I don't think what don't kill you make you stronger. I don't, I don't, I don't know why they couldn't have just gone with that. But look, it, it doesn't really matter. And obviously. They are paraphrasing uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, um, you know, from Twilight of the Idols, who famously said, quote, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. So, you know, James is kind of getting on that. But yeah, the riff as well, the riff, because it's so groove based, it has a lot of space. It's The lyrics are quite simple, but quite plosive. You rise, you fall, you're down, then you rise again. And then we get the refrain sort of thing. I just I just think the whole thing works. It's like, a, you know, clockwork. It's like every piece works for the benefit of the song. Yes, yes, and most of the time when I listen to it, I'm actually surprised that it's about six and a half mm. uh, mi- yeah. minutes long, which I, I actually think it was about the second or third shortest song yeah. on Death Magnet. It is, it is. on Yeah, so um, there's only one song that's five minutes on Death Magnet, which is my apocalypse, but yeah, it's at six minutes 25, so it's the, yeah, it's a, it's a second shortest song on the album, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it does kind of, it does, it does seem to really fly by, and it, I think one of the things that helps is, is it doesn't have even like a, a little minute, um, like a slower or quieter interlude like you might have in like a cyanide or something mm-hmm. like that. So just because each each piece is really just going, 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 going. You have the solo from Kirk, which kind of ends up being a lot of bends and more or less kind of noise after <laughs> after. A little. Yeah. And then and then that really nice uh, little breakdown from James after that. And then I think with about a minute five, a minute six, you kind of get the sense that they're really like, okay, we're getting close to the end of the song, so let's really kind of like ramp it up. And I don't know if if it's a faster part, but it does feel like from about a minute six to the end, you know, a minute six left to the very end, Mm. that they really are just like full on gallop time to, you know, time to bring it home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like the the sort of the the riff that had, had space in the intro kind of returns as a, as a quicker riff after that bridge. And oh my god, I love that riff that that riff after the second chorus that kind of brings the song into its middle section. It's so simple. Like you know, James is just perching on that note, but it has that plosive nature. The way the band come in. I mean, Kirk solo. Like no no disrespect to Kirk at all, but. For hardwired and deaf magnetic, I feel like Metallica would have could have saved money and just built a soundboard of Kirk noise and just sort of just pressed it from here and there. It's like he here's his legato bit, here's his wah bit. Like the the guy just doesn't seem very inspired by what's a like brilliant like thing to solo over. Yes, well, and, and part of what I wonder, especially after seeing a lot of the videos, is I wonder if it would benefit from him having complete control over it because it, it does seem to have a certain amount of Lars and the producer then kind of going in and, okay, well, let's use this part of the solo and this mm. part of the solo, and this part of the solo. So I, I, I'm not sure if it would be a better piece if it was, okay, Kirk, you completely own this, do what you will. And then when you get to the end or you have this amount of time, yeah. you know, go and this is yours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, think of black album, for example, 
um you know pretty much every solo on there is fantastic and all the solos and all the main singles are incredible like you know i i, I we I, the reason i'm harsh on kirk really is because i know how good he is you know and it's kind of he's a bit on autopilot while the rest of the band are really going all out and you know i, I like the chorus as well i like i like the kind of you almost hear the the strings being you know flicked and then it breaking your teeth and like it's a very pummeling sort of playing on the chorus isn't it it's like a sledgehammer Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it is one of those things where even even just thinking of, you know, them, them doing one or two strings at a time that still feels like it has a lot of weight behind mm, it. Mm, mm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and um, I don't think I mean, I'm no expert on metallic lyrics. Not yet. Anyway, I don't think I've ever heard James use the word rape in a song. Actually, they cut and rape me, which which always kind of sticks to me as quite caustic. Yeah. And I, and I wonder how much of it is just, OK, well, you know, because it's right before we you know they scratch me, they scrape yeah. me, and so I don't know if he was just really trying to find something that kind of went along with the theme. Sure. But it it is one of those that even before when I was talking about it, feeling like a more uplifting um, song. <laughs> right. You know, show stars be proud of them. That's kind of the one the one piece of it that makes you go, well, now I, I'm kind of not so sure <laughs> yeah. he talks about that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, completely, completely, and. Um... Yeah, I just, I, I think, I think the song's glorious, and especially when you consider sort of the context that this is the album that followed, kind of what in many eyes is a bit of a critical failure, and and you know they were getting back on the on the training, and just you know I've been listening to this song, how Defagnetics is what's that like nine years ago this album, and like I remember listening to this you know as a, as a boy uh, when it came out, and like it's one of the ones from the album that I've always treasured. Oh, absolutely, you know, and and even like going back to Load. The first three songs are good, but it, they were kind of the precursor of, okay, well, now when, when we get to Until It Sleeps, that's when, you know, kind of the real magic is. And that's almost the same kind of way with Death Magnetic, where it's like, okay, I can get through the first two songs. Um, that Was Just Your Life is good, but then once I get to Broken Beat and Scarred, I'm really into, you know, mm-hmm. the sweet spot with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I did have a question on on the name. Now, if they kept all the lyrics the same... What would you think would have been another title for it? Hmm. Yeah, maybe like Hard Life Coming, maybe something like that. Or yeah, the sh- only, the only other one that I could think of was maybe We Die Hard. We Die Hard. Yeah, I think I think We Die Hard is probably a better title as well. Um, I, I show your scars, but I mean that's a bit that's a bit like a Papa Roach song or something. I can't imagine metallica having, yeah. having that total we die hard actually yeah yeah and we die hard it's almost like I, they must have put that on the back of t-shirts like it's such a slogan isn't it oh for sure and, and part of me almost wonders how much inspiration they got because wasn't it for death magnetic where they had where james had pictures of lane staley up across and so it makes me wonder how much of that might be a play on you know we die young yeah, I, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, that that's awesome. Yeah, I um, I remember seeing a video recently of um, Alice in Chains doing, I think it was Wood, at a festival, and James sung it with them. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it was it was him and Jerry Cantrell like doing the duet. It was it was very fucking cool. I'll I'll pop it on the um Metallica Pop Twitter uh, Metallica Pod Twitter as well. You can check this out. And the song, you know was 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 one of their mainstays um performed live 156 times um was first performed september 12 2008 in berlin germany um, which i believe was like their massive concert where they sort of announced the album and all that sort of stuff and it was last performed september 21st 2013 uh in new york so i mean it's not one they've put on the hardwired tour but i reckon if they brought it out on the stage on this sort of you know the indoor shows it'd be celebrated well i was i was wondering that because it does feel like now 
that they're really kind of building towards doing um, spit out the bone. Mm. That's that's my hope, at least. And so I was also wondering, okay, well, it seems like right now they have about three different slots that kind of rotate, you know, three or four songs. And I was wondering what the response would be if this was one of those on the uh, on the European tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would be. I think it'd be really well received. I remember um, watching. Pro- it's probably my favourite modern Metallica concert. I don't know if you've seen in two thousand and nine when they played that Colosseum in France. No, no. Is that the uh, the Neem one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's. It, I, I want to urge you know you and anyone else listening check out that show. It is fucking like they open with Black and go into Creeping Death and Harvester of Sorrow, and it's just the 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 crowd and the energy. I've never seen the band like so alive. Like you know, obviously they are a very eccentric band already, very you know blood bloody band, but they play this on it and it just kills it. Like, you know, they, this is a song that really, I think the drums, especially, you know, it needs a lot of power. Oh, for sure. You know, to be able to get boom, 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 mm. boom, 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 you know, just, just be able to keep up with those guitars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I could definitely see how this would be one where Lars really has to feel like he has to put a little bit of extra yeah. shoulder in, into the, <laughs> to make sure that the, uh, the sound gets across. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I guess before we wrap up, is there anything else you, you got to say about this great song? Uh, no, just, well, so it, if you think of Metallica's overall catalog, and let's, let's say if we split it into thirds, you have the top third, which is the Stone Cold Classics, Creeping mm-hmm. Death, everything like that. Then you have the ones near the bottom that are kind of, you know, they're on the album, never got played live. And then you have the middle third, which is kind of, you know, people like them, but they don't necessarily get upset if they don't get played. I would say overall, I would probably put this in in the upper part of that middle third, mm. which is... Not a Stone Cold classic, but definitely something that if they did play, I'd be really happy to hear it play. But I probably wouldn't miss it if they didn't. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely, completely agree with that. It, you know, this isn't probably going to break my top twenty Metallica songs, but it's on the periphery there. You know, it's one that I, um, I really, really enjoyed. And I mean, um, Logan, of course, we have to speak about um, you know Metallica at the moment are on this giant stadium tour that um, you know in Oxford, UK. I can only salivate and watch their YouTube videos. It seems like they're actually crushing stuff at the moment. And you saw them in uh, San Antonio recently, didn't you? Yeah, in the middle of June, uh, June fourteenth, and this was our. Um, my wife and I have seen them eight times. Wow. Uh, the f- the first time was back in '99 at Woodstock, and then um, kind of every every album tour um, we've been able to do this. And I've been a member of the Met Club for a while, mm. and always would would enter for the uh, the meet and greets and for the uh, the Snake Pit passes whenever they're available. Yeah. Never had the chance to get it, and then actually. About a month before the uh, the concert, I ended up getting an email saying, hey, we just want to let you know you didn't get the meet and greet. And then the day after that, I actually ended up getting an email that said, you did win the snake pit pass. Mm. And so and so we got those two snake pit passes and it was – and I even remember the just the chills getting it. And they even have a little list of rules saying, you know, don't put drinks on the stage and things like that. And I remember right, getting right. to the last rule and it was actually – do not touch or pull on the members. And so just, <laughs> just kind of being able to put that in perspective of, oh, I'm going to be that close. Yeah. That close. And then, of course, you know, after that, it's, it's looking online and being able to see, okay, this person is literally taking a selfie video with James, you know, two feet behind him. Um, and so just being able to have that, I think it was probably yeah, maybe maybe not a month, maybe two weeks before, um, being able to go into the concert with that kind of knowledge 
we got the passes, got in there, and just just having that that little walk mm. from the general admission right past the front stage because we, we ended up going uh, while Avenged uh, Sevenfold was playing and just being able to get out there and it's just it's just very surreal being kind of that close and but also it, it wasn't super super packed like you had a little bit of your own your own kind of room yeah which was which was also very nice and just to see them that close is is was very very surreal because i even remember having almost like felt like an out-of-body experience at the woodstock experience even for the first time of oh my gosh i'm in the same area that, <laughs> that metallica yeah. is and and just it being you know I'd been to a couple of concerts before, but never had just that intensity of, wow, this is really happening, and they're right there. And so you have the first couple songs where they pretty much will stay on the stage. But then after about three or four songs, they get to come down and walk around the whole thing. And I, I don't need to do like, you know, a song by song breakdown, but, you know, whenever you have concerts, a lot of times you'll come back with two or three really kind of high moments. Hmm. And th- the ones for me were. It, it it felt like during Master of Puppets that James and I made eye contact. It felt it seemed like three <laughs> yeah. or four times, and so just just being able to have that. But the part that I'll always remember is the beginning of um, oh, not the beginning of Now That We're Dead. Mm. You know that part right about a minute where you get the couple of high notes and then they kick into the 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 main riff. Mm. I got to be five feet away from James and Kirk side by side as they did that part. And then that part hits. And then just the energy of that song just kind of goes over you. And it was just, it was fantastic. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. I, uh, as you were saying that, actually, I was just watching muted, you know, they do those videos, those Metallica, thank you, San Antonio. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah it, it, I was trying to see your face, uh, so, but I, uh, I don't think I even know what you look like. So <laughs> that was a bit of a fruitless experience, but no, it looked incredible and it you know, sounds incredible as well. And the set as well, um, you know, very much they're playing to the masses. So nothing wrong with it, but it's a bit of a greatest hits, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, it, it really kind of came down to, okay, well, in that rotating spot, what song are we going to get? Because it's almost everything else was, you know, you could pretty much kind of kind of uh, know ahead of time. And, and I even remember about halfway through, now that we're dead, once I kind of got over the initial rush of what had just happened, mm-hmm. always kind of keeping my eyes back to the, the, the main body of the stage because just waiting to see if they were going to bring out the, uh, the drums for the uh, – yeah, yeah for the for the little drum breakdown which which was good but i i I think as long as it's just a kind of like a one rotation thing i think i think it's just fine yeah i i mean i'm seeing them um in birmingham october 30th not that i'm counting down the days or anything and uh i i do wonder if they're going to do that in the arena shows i know clint and ethan from metal epochers they weren't too hot on on the drum thing yeah no and like like i said one time is fine, but I, I think if it was you know five years from now when they were still doing it, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do think it would definitely feel a little bit tired. Yeah, yeah, you've got to you've got to sort of break it up in, in some sense. So you know, I understand why they were doing that, and and yeah, um, I, I'm sure I'm sure it was incredible. But um, I guess I guess to wrap up, is there any you know are there any enterprises you'd like to do? You, do you have a podcast yourself or anything like that? Or? No, no, I'm a I'm a voracious listener, right. but um, th- this is about as close as I'm going to get to it right now. All right, all right. Well, um, Logan, this has been uh, this has been great going for this song. Thank you for joining me, man. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. 